Welcome to episode 240 of No Challenges Remaining. I am Ben Rothenberg here in Brisbane, where the ATP Cup has moved on and the women have finally gotten a chance to play on the main stadium starting here today on Thursday. We are going to be talking, or you're going to be hearing in this episode, mostly about the ATP Cup, which is just left and which people here are still grappling with, trying to decide if they like it, if they don't like it, if it's necessary, if it's unnecessary, if it's a good innovation, if it's needless innovation if it's here to last or a transition year uh, all sorts of different debates and topics to come up on that so we have a few things you'll hear on that including most prominently in this episode a roundtable with myself courtney walsh of the australian and canton moinet of l'equipe for a reporter's roundtable on this before we get to the atp cup stuff however i want to start first with giving you a snippet of a conversation i had of few days ago or last week actually by this point uh with liam brody who was one of the players who traveled to canberra the capital of australia in hopes of playing the challenger event there only to find the unplayable conditions with the wildfires that led to that tournament's relocation so here is a snippet of my conversation with liam and a sense of what things are like in some of the more affected urban areas of Australia right now with the wildfires that continue to rage on. Here is Liam. Another British player, Katie Swan, was there already and she was kind of updating uh, myself and Katie Bolter, who's obviously also playing the tournament, um, and she was saying it's looking pretty bad. Um, weren't getting to practice. At one point, I think they were told they couldn't really exercise in the gym indoors either. Um, Not even indoor as well. Yeah, um, and and they couldn't move the tournament to some indoor courts because apparently that the, it was so bad in indoors as well. And I kind of said, oh, you know, like I'm just going to go anyway because that's where my flight is. I have a day off Friday. Obviously, got there Thursday evening, and it was like, you know, you land on the plane, and, and I'm sure you saw some of the stuff on Twitter. It was just bizarre, like a post-apocalyptic sort of vibe about it. Um, and you know, on the pl- on 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 the plane, it looks weird, but the second you get off the plane, it just absolutely stinks. Um, of, of smoke like you stood next really close to a wood fire I guess and in the airport in the hotel everywhere it just smelled really bad and it starts to make you feel a little bit ill really can, can you describe more I guess just what you mean by it looking post-apocalyptic like I, I saw the photo the photo you posted has a sort of hazy look in the sky yeah. sort of like Mad Max yeah. kind of looking, looking thing but yeah what, that, what that's exactly what it was like so, so, so yeah. I, I was actually in uh I, I played Fairfield Challenger. I think it was in 2017 when they had the California fires, the bad ones. Um, and I was staying in Napa at the time. We, we, I ended up getting evacuated at sort of four in the morning from my host family in Napa um, because they were worried the fire was gonna gonna hit their house. Um, so I've actually got experience with this sort of stuff. Um, and and it was, I mean, it was obviously very similar. I mean, obviously I, I didn't see any fires per se, but they're obviously incredibly large because the entire city it, it was kind of strange like there weren't many people on the streets obviously it was it was kind of like a fog but obviously the the smell with it and and the sun wasn't breaking through the i, I don't know what it, what you call it a smoke cloud an ash cloud it was just uh, really bizarre but i actually landed in melbourne today and, the, and there's a definite haze over melbourne today as well because there are obviously fires in victoria um so it's actually pretty bad here as well now and 
when I left yesterday, it was completely fine. I guess it just completely depends on which way the wind blows. Um, and and I, I was actually having a discussion with the guy who picked me up from the airport today saying, I wonder what, what they'd do with the Open if this, if this continued. So thank you, Liam. And we hope, yeah, that the Australian Open is able to be played safely and fully. And more importantly, that everyone in Australia stays safe and out of harm's way as much as possible. Next on the show, we are going to hear from a few players, a couple of press conference snippets from players talking about the ATP Cup. Uh, there's two main people I put here. Novak Djokovic, who's a prolific talker, so you'll hear him before the tournament at an opening uh, press conference, and then a little intermission brief snippet from pre-tournament press conference from Felix Oje Aliassim about his thoughts on the tournament as well, and then you'll hear Djokovic sort of wrapping up his thoughts as Serbia advanced from the group stage and headed to Sydney for what he thinks this tournament can be. Djokovic is obviously the ATP Player Council president, so he's more hands-on and opinionated and informed probably about this event than the average player is. So Djokovic is a prolific talker, and you'll hear him talk quite a bit here. Um, Novak, Dennis from Canada yesterday was saying that uh, the Davis Cup was only in uh, November. This is so soon after. Uh, because it's much the same, he'd like to see just one big world you know, championship. Uh, what do you think? Well, I was I was asked the same question in in Madrid during Davis Cup, and um, I mean I can I, I couldn't agree more with with Dennis. I was saying the same thing in Madrid. I mean we, we need to have uh, one Super World Cup event, whatever you want to call it. Uh, that's not going to happen next year as well. But if the two sides, you know, the ITF, the Davis Cup, and the ATP get together very quickly, uh, it can happen possibly for 2022. I, I hope it will happen because it's it's kind of it's kind of hard to to get top players to commit to play both events, you know, the Davis Cup and the ATP Cup, and it's six weeks apart, so they're not really helping each other in terms of marketing, in terms of the value of the event, and so forth. I think you know uh, to continue on what Dennis was saying, uh, you know how it's confusing, and I think it's also for us, but also for the fans. I have friends, I have like. People tell me like they're not really sure what's going on because let's say someone you take someone that doesn't really know about tennis and you tell them we had the biggest world championship of tennis at the end of the year and now we're starting with another one. Well, why not unite the forces and just create the biggest world championship there is in tennis? Yeah. New events, how are you feeling about uh, your play and also just about this event in general, which people are still you know trying to understand what it is? Anyone wants to take that? I, I honestly, I'm enjoying it. I, I, I enjoy the fact that we will actually go to a different city together, travel today, you know, practice there tomorrow, play in a different, you know, environment. Um, Sydney's got a big Serbian community. Hopefully the support can be as good as it was here, even better. Um, it's a team competition. It's how I personally treat it and it's how it feels for all of us. So having, uh, having that journey, you know, through uh, various places in, in Australia together feels like a World Cup to us a little bit, which I've ne I never felt. The only time when we were playing together as a, as a team was Davis Cup or playing at home or away. So this is like changing locations. It's, it's quite exciting, to be honest. And, you know, now we are, we are family. We've been together now almost 10 days. Um, and uh, keep on going, so hopefully the success will follow as well. Uh, Novak, uh, Tennis Australia said they're already talking to the WTA about a, a women's version of 
at this sort of team's event. Could you foresee a lead up to the Australian Open where those are the yeah. two main events, or would you like a chance to, so I guess, support your, you know, female players as well? Why not? I mean, <clears throat> I think uh, this this kind of this kind of format is is something that uh, would I think bring benefits as well and, and kind of positive outcomes for the WTA Tour. So, I mean, I, I, that's my opinion, maybe just speaking uh, about about my opinion, you know, expressing my opinion. Of course, I don't know what are the, the numbers and, you know, how is that going to affect their schedule, but I, I think it would make sense um, considering the fact that we have ATP Cup also played in Australia. They are playing the WTA tour here in Brisbane as well in Auckland so most of the top players from from female side are in Australia already so I think it would make sense uh, but uh, at the same same time there's been a lot of talks between Davis Cup and ATP Cup merging maybe in the future so as, as Dushan was mentioning maybe finding a better solution to have one super cup world cup temp competition from for us at the men's side I don't know I mean we, we're going to have some discussions in the council about it, I guess, and, and, and see, you know, what, what is the feedback from players from the first ATP Cup year. Um, Davis Cup has generated <clears throat> some good things, but also some negative comments. And, you know, one thing that stands out about Davis Cup and about discontent from the player side is the, the uh, fact that you cannot play at home anymore. You know, you, you don't have any home ties unless you're uh, hosting nation of the the whole Davis Cup competition. So I think there there's been a lot. I actually chatted with uh, with the Cosmos uh, organization, their team, and the ITF during Madrid. And in my opinion, there should be some group stages like ATP Cup has in several different locations, then kind of merging into final eight. You know, similar to to what we have, but. I would honestly prefer seeing one competition rather than having Davis Cup, ADP Cup. I think it's especially six weeks apart. I think it's it's really it's really exhausting for players. You know, going back to to your question, I think it was yours or your question about the the, the length uh, of the off season, which was I mean short as as short as ever. Um, it, it doesn't. I saw Nadal actually speaking about it the other day and saying that he doesn't actually feel like this the last season has ended because you know he just started right away so yeah I mean we we, we don't want to you know uh, seem like we are complaining about things constantly but because um, we are blessed you know to play the sport and this sport generates a lot of also price money a lot of attention it's great it's played around the world we have 11 months season it's fantastic lots of opportunities and uh, but at the same time you know, I think it, it can be balanced should be balanced a little bit better with maybe slams not being so close or so far from each other so but it, it, it takes a lot of effort because there is a lot of different sides vested in the in tennis you know it's not like we in ATP can decide everything. It's ATA, as you know, ITF, ATP, Grand Slams are independent entities. All these different things so you have to sit on the table and try to work things out, which isn't the easiest thing. Right, thank you. Thank you. So thank you to Novak and Felix and Novak again. And now for the main event of the show, I am joined by Courtney Walsh of the Australian and Quentin Moinet of L'Equipe to talk about our reactions to the ATP Cup, which all three of us were here covering. Uh, Canton covering the French team primarily, Courtney Walsh covering the Australian team, and me covering everything in between, and the conflict with the women more more overtly. So 
here's our discussion. Hope you enjoy. So we are here on day six of the ATP Cup in Brisbane. I'm joined by two of my colleagues uh, from both countries that are competing in Brisbane here. Courtney Walsh from the Australian, who's covering the Australians, among others. Hello, Courtney. Hi, Ben. How are you? Good. Congratulations on your recent award, by the way. Ron Bookman Award winner. We are you're bringing up the prestige of the podcast immensely with your presence here, so thank you for that. Very, very generous, and uh, I was very surprised, but uh, it's an award I'm uh, very honored to have. Yeah, we're very happy to see you get that. And Quentin Moinet of oui, L'Equipe, I try, I try, he's here covering the French. Uh, yes, but let's start with, uh, let's start with just the, before the tournament, start, before this ATP Cup started, uh, ATP Cup sort of got more officially announced, I guess, last February, right after the last Australian swing. Uh, there have been whispers about it coming along for a while. I was at Hopman Cup last year, and there was already talk like this could be the last Hopman Cup. They didn't say it officially then, but uh, this new thing was moving in. And I'm curious what you sort of, each of you, what you expected from this event before you came. Uh, I guess both of you are probably here because your respective countries are here in the city in Br- of Brisbane for their group matches. So uh, I'll start with you, Courtney. What did you think of, what were you expecting from ATP Cup? What did you, what did you think you were going to get here? Uh, like, it's been interesting for me because... I've covered the Hopman Cup predominantly for the last 15 years. A former colleague of mine was always in Brisbane as a, as a Queenslander, so to come to Brisbane for me personally was exciting. What I was expecting, I, I always thought Brisbane would be a success, and I think we've seen some fantastic matches and some great atmosphere, particularly at night. Uh, concerned about Perth having spent a bit of time there, and I was there just, before, just after Christmas through to the start of the new year and look I, I'm mindful that Tennis Australia was also aware, aware that it was going to be problematic in Perth uh, they're a very uh, patriotic bunch yeah. you know, you, going back through the years they've uh, threatened to secede from uh, secede <laughs> from the rest of the country uh, there's a there's a white there's a hate of the wise men from the east uh, coming over to uh, to discuss things in Perth and this was their event the Hopman Cup it yeah. really it's really flourished in the last couple of years we shouldn't forget that there was a period where it, it struggled there was not making money but it was really successful they put a lot of money and time into it yeah. uh, Paul McMahon did a great job initially and obviously TA took it over and in Sydney, look, I think in Sydney we'll see it start to flourish in the next six, five, six days. I always thought that the uh, probably the round-robin stages in Sydney would be a struggle. Yeah. But I think once the best uh, men in the world get there, I think it'll be uh, fascinating to see how it pans yeah. out over the next six days, or four, four days, sorry. In Sydney, I think we should say, was originally supposed to have both Roger Federer and Andy Murray, and yeah. both of them pulled out um, before. I'm curious, also from, from the French perspective, you, the French were some of the most outspoken against the Davis Cup reforms. Australia's were too, but French probably even more so. Um, this is sort of a lot like the new Davis Cup in a lot of ways. But what, is, what, is, what has been the sort of your reaction and also the French reaction to this, uh, this big change in the team event landscape over the last year? Well, like you said, uh, as a good old French, we like our tradition. So yeah. we were really not happy with these changes. And at first, I thought ATP Cup would be even less interesting uh, than the Davis Cup because not it didn't have any history, didn't have the name. And by just being here for a few days, actually, I think it's a bit better than the new Davis Cup for a few reasons. First, there's more great players here. I think eight of 10 top 10 and 16 of 20 top 20. It was only five top 10 and 11 top 20 in Madrid. So it's a big difference. And second big difference in here, it's number one against number one. In Madrid, it was number one against number two. And it, uh, it gives uh, some great matches that you didn't have in Madrid. For example, in the, the group F here, in the group of Australia, you had even though Zverev was bad, you had Zverev against Tsitsipas, Tsitsipas against Shapovalov. 
well, against Kyrgios, it shouldn't have been, it should have been the winner, but it would have been great either. So yeah. I think, and also another point is it's in Australia and the crowd is always great. There's, even for France against Chile, for example, it was almost crowded. So it was so empty in Madrid. So it mm. was embarrassing almost. So yeah. uh, in the end, after a few days, I think I'm a bit more optimistic with ATP Cup than in with Davis Cup. Definitely a better part of the calendar. Just yeah. also, I mean, I think, for, well, and probably better part of the tennis geography too. I mean, Australia's always been very good at turning out for tennis events and of any kind, pretty much, whenever they get Davis Cup ties or Fed Cup ties, and they usually turn out pretty well. And also, it's in a, a week of the calendar, and part of people know is tennis season. I feel like mm. people in Madrid aren't used to watching going out to watch tennis in November. I mean, it hasn't been part of their... After their, the ATP finals. Yeah, so especially after like, that. Yeah. The season is over. Yeah, tennis is already out of out of sight, out of mind, pretty much, then. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, let's go back to what you were saying, Courtney, just on this sort of city-by-city basis. I mean, I came to Brisbane. The American team is not here, but we don't tend to cover the Americans that specifically. They're out in Perth. Perth does seem to be the big loser of this whole thing, I think, because I got a couple messages from people there yesterday saying Perth used to have, in Hopman Cup, they used to, especially in the last few years, they got a lot of stars. Last year alone in, in Perth, they had Federer, they had Serena, they had Zverev, they had Kerber, they had Muguruza, they had Ferrer, they had Tsitsipas, uh, and a couple more other players who were pretty decent too. Now they just have a pretty lackluster couple men's groups. They have Nadal and the Spain team, but also it's Nadal thrashing people. It's not like Nadal is getting to play interesting matches, playing against, you know, and Batista Gut, even worse, has had to play these, like, the number twos from these countries, and it's just, it's been ugly. Which are almost not professional players yeah. yet. I almost, I almost think that for it to be even, they should have, and I don't know if they'll ever jigger this in the future to rig this a bit, but they should have put Australia team in Perth. That would have been the way to, to maybe even that up, because Perth doesn't, currently doesn't have women or a final. Brisbane, at least you also have the women, and Sydney, you get the final rounds, but Perth got neither of those in the end. And also Perth got the Australian team, which is a big draw here. And maybe not 24 teams. Maybe it was a bit too much. You have, you have some teams that only have one player and then really nobody, so no. I spoke to, uh, I suppose, tournament director Tom Lana before the event began, and uh, look, he works for Tennis Australia, and look, he acknowledged that Perth was always going to be tricky. It was going to be problematic this year. I think we'll see in the next couple of years that it will ro- Australia will rotate to Perth they'll rotate to Sydney I, I think that's almost certain to happen no, no 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 I mean in the group play oh, in the, the group Australian stage. team yeah. It, we are, yeah we are a very patriotic fan base and so they will I'm sure they'll work through that look with the what, what they did try to do and it's it's not the same thing but to try and I suppose make up for the loss of the Hotman Cup this year and the fact that the world's best women were not going to be in the town was to play the host the Fed Cup final in November which was exceptionally well attended Uh, my colleague here uh, was (laughs) overjoyed Uh, it was a despairing time for Australia but look that was unbelievably good tennis and it was a very well supported thing so look it's it's far from ideal but I wonder had uh, had for example our number one player who is from Queensland and I suspect that uh, her preference in fact I'm sure her preference was probably to play here, yeah. Two of our three players, so well, actually three of the five, four of the five in the team were from here. That, that result may have been different. They mm. may well have uh, been a little more settled. May not have been because Christina played such an amazing match. But in terms of uh, in terms of trying to make up for it, Perth did have elite, world class tennis from the women's side two months ago. Of course, that may not happen again for uh, for a long, long time yeah. in terms of that. But can, can you just speak a little bit to one of the things I've come to know about the Australian sort of sporting culture and the rivalry between cities? There's a lot of competition. I remember here being struck by this 
when they announced last sometime last year that the Sydney tournament was moving to Adelaide uh, in one of these shifts, and that'll be next week. We'll see that on the calendar. Uh, the sort of way that Adelaide press was sort of like gloating about it, the same like we stole Sydney's tournament. It was just language you would never really hear. But there is a lot of sort of you know. With a lot of these cities being pretty far apart from each other, it's not like you know a tennis fan in Adelaide can easily get to one of the other cities without getting on a plane for the most part. What is it? How important is it? How competitive is it between these cities to make sure that they're not left off the map? And maybe this is most most clearly felt in Perth, which is so remote from the rest of the country. Uh, look, very much, and I think it traces back to our football codes and the rivalries between our football codes. Uh, and and probably even further back, there was a, there was debate at one stage as to who which which. City, Melbourne or Sydney would be the uh, the capital of Australia. In the end, they settled on Canberra. They built Canberra as a, as yeah. opposed, a way to appease... Design city. Yeah, yeah to appease both yeah. uh, the two main states, Victoria and New South Wales. But along the southern coast, Australian rules football, which is an Indigenous game. The Western Australians hate the South Australians who hate the Victorians who... <laughs> really, we don't really care. I'm a Victorian, so look, yeah. we don't necessarily care what the other states think of us. But the New South Welshman... <laughs> Also, uh, hate the Queenslanders in their rugby league code, uh, rugby union, which is seen as a, I suppose, a national game around the world for Australians. The three state, the th- bottom three states of Australia, don't have much interest in it. So it's a, it's a curious divide, and there is certainly an antipathy among sporting fans to the, the other, other places, codes yeah. and also the other cities. So whether it traces to traces back to that. Uh, it's not quite, I think, for example, Canada, which you know you you, you have your uh, Albertans and the and British Columbia never sure. seen eye to eye on things. Look, I, I suspect there's a. It feels more pronounced here. It yeah, does. there's a sense of that. Yeah. So, Adelaide, I think, will be great. Look, I talked to the the Kuyong Classic Tournament director Peter Johnson, who's worked, you know, long time WTA and ATP chief executive. Uh, sorry, senior senior executive uh, has St Petersburg and Shenzhen. I think is his tournaments on the ATP okay. as well. And he was he, he made a good point. He said Australia's always always batted above its weight in terms of able, being able to have international tennis yeah. in each mainland city and also Hobart given the population and yeah. so I think we are very fortunate and I think this even though it's been a drastic reshuffle and Perth is not WA is not necessarily very happy at all they've still got international level tennis in their city and yeah. that's something with the population that we've got we should you know we should be grateful for this is my question though I mean because you also had that last year I mean everything my 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 main reaction when I was remember the ATP Cup is I I don't understand the point of this because this week of the year I thought was already great. I thought Hobbin Cup was already a great way to have a you know the very unique event, the men and women together, especially amazing last year with Federer and Serena being on the same court for the first time in a sort of you know kind of competitive real match and playing against each other. Uh, I think the Hobbin Cup final last year actually was one of the best matches of the year. That mixed doubles match that was between Federer, Bencic, and Zverev, Kerber was it was mixed doubles. It was a strange thing to say, but it was probably one of the most competitive, compelling matches of last year somehow um and then you know this tournament brisbane was a solid very good 250 by 250 standards and it had the it women's still ev- it still, it still, still is, is yeah and then the women's premier event is one of the toughest all year i mean they had six of the top 10 here this year i think it's been higher than that in the past and really good matches and not uncommon to see first round matches in brisbane wta between two top 15 players you know which can be tough for them i mean remember there's been like stevens conta first round conta keys things like that happen first round here pretty regularly so I mean my my sort of question again with you know people seem to be enjoying the ATP Cup when they're there but was this necessary to blow this up I mean especially I will add with the other team events that are coming in this is the second team event that Tennis Australia has spearheaded both being men's only Labor Cup is very different but 
still that. And then the new Davis Cup. Did they? Did tennis? Did they need a third men's, you know, national team type competition here? Is, that, is there no. an oversaturation? No, they didn't. But if I think if ATP created this ATP Cup, it's exactly because Davis ITF created the new Davis Cup. So. It's all about ATP versus ITF, I think. And tennis bodies not cooperating with each other. No, yeah. exactly. And for example, there's a small example here in Brisbane. I talked with the French guys. Uh, they came here with shirts, with the, 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 name, the country name. With France uh, written on the back. France written on the back. Yeah. And they couldn't use it. They had to put some scotch on it. Yeah. And that's the only reason is ATP, in the, the rules of the ATP Cup, it says you can't have the name of your country. That's but so why weird. did they do that? It's because they, they want to be different than the Davis Cup. But the slogan of the tournament is like for love of country or yeah. something. And, yeah. so, and then to say like you can be patriotic but not too patriotic, yeah. not literally. You have to use our little sort of this, you know, the swirl logo yeah. they have for the ball <laughs> in the corner there. And so. yesterday I talked to Edouard Roger Vasselin. He, he told me we can't say Equipe de France, we have to say France team. We can't say Equipe team de France. France. Team yeah, France. Yeah. We, don't, we can't say French. Yeah. Yeah. The chair empires always say Team France instead yeah, exactly. of just France. Yeah, that's real. I suppose from the uh, if you look at the economic case, though, and look, there's no doubt Tennis Australia is very self-interested in here, and I can absolutely understand their reasoning. As really disappointing as it is to lose the Hopman Cup, if Australia doesn't bid for the tournament, we saw Stakovsky writing uh, recently, you know, recently about what happens. This event goes to Doha, or it goes to China, or somewhere else through Asia. They, the bids apparently were well. What I'm what I'm told, yeah. the bids were, were significant, and what that means, and this is this is a long-term tennis Australia philosophy. We need to have the best men and the best women in the country for as long as we can. Yeah. So they want to extend it out to five weeks if we can, which would be about a tenth of the year uh, in Australian shores. Now, if we don't, if 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 eight of the top ten men go to Doha for the ATP Cup or to China for the ATP Cup, and sixteen of the top twenty men go there, and twenty-three of the twenty-four of the top thirty, the Hopman Cup won't sell it just will not work because as brilliant as the women are and they of course have to pay penalties to get the best women there mm-hmm. yeah because they, they have to pay penalties a, they to pay yeah because there was a WPA premier event the same week with, yeah. with, with all due respect to Jordan Thompson who's a really having a really good career but he's not a curious or a dim or number no. one for Australia you're going to get Riley Opelka instead of say John Isner for America yeah. you're going to get like you, 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 you would not, you're not going to get well <laughs> similar but, trade yeah. similar, but, but you're, you're not going to get it, the, the concern was you were not going to get the best men in Australia, I, around the world, and, and they say they say that we want the best players. This is this was a big concern about with the Davis Cup and now with the Fed Cup moving. Yeah, is that we all they always wanted to have the best players to share it around to inspire and and to protect their share. So I can absolutely I've, understand why they've done I, it. It's just a shame I, that a great event's gone. I've heard this TA talking point before. I got to say I'm a little bit skeptical of it sometimes because I feel like TA has kind of used a scare tactic a bit, and I would call it that. Of saying, oh my gosh, the tournament's going to go to China. They're about the Australian Open too. They want to move to China. We're going to move this here, and sort of to justify their aggression in some of this. And this is a very aggressive move they made, especially vis-a-vis the WTA event here. We haven't really mentioned here. WTA event is not happy. The WTA has been kind of a bit mealy-mouthed in their statements about it. They call it a transition year. Was their way of saying, and they hope it changes next year. Because but they're not on the because main of, yeah, because they haven't been on the main stadium. Yeah. And it's like we said, this is one of the strongest WTA fields mm-hmm. of the year. It's like a 500 equivalent for the men. Yeah, um, you have Osaka and Barty not even uh, on the main stadium. Yeah, and Sharapova was on the on the outer court last night. I mean, yeah, it's just it would never happen at a men's tournament, honestly, to be totally pushed aside. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I I don't always. I think that the status quo of last year. I don't know that they really would have put in a massive event in Qatar or or in China to to eat away at the Australian summer. I think t- ATP enjoys the January is essentially an Australian month on the calendar, and they pretty much monopolize that. Um, 
Yeah, so I'm, I'm not, I don't totally, I don't, that's, I'm skeptical about that a little bit, and we'll see. I mean, the other thing I would say, my sort of wish, and I don't know how realistic this would be, and also ATP doesn't, and this goes to your point about ITF and the non-cooperation, my dream would have been, if they wanted to have a team event, to make, to expand Hotman Cup. You can change the name and, the, and the, make it something, you know, flashier branding or something than Hotman Cup, which doesn't have a lot of name recognition really outside of Australia. But keep um, it a mixed competition. Make it a mixed competition. If you, a three-city mixed competition, a lot of different countries. It would make a lot of countries more competitive. Greece, who was in here because of Tsitsipas, had no chance of ever getting out of group because the next player was number 487 or so, uh, Perva Larrakis. They would have had Sakari, who's number 23 in the world. There have been a bunch of other countries that could have comp competed. The Czechs or whatever, they have a lot of strong women. The U.S. would have been a much stronger team. Canada, as good as they were with the men, they would have been even better if they'd had Andrescu. Uh, Barty actually would have probably bolstered the Australian team. They might be a, a clear favorite to win the thing if it was Barty and, and Damon R together. So, uh, yeah, and I just, I, for me, I just, because there's already this very similar Davis Cup event, ATP Cup event, to me, I just see it as ATP moving what they think is a moment of weakness for ITF. They see Davis Cup struggling, and they're being aggressive, as I was saying before, to try to capitalize on that. And this sort of, I don't think it's in the greater interest of tennis, per se. I think it's just, you know, but it's just not, and it's a business. It's a capitalist sport. And if they sense an opening or a vulnerability in the marketplace, they're, they're going to pounce. But I, I don't know. I'm, I'm curious. If, I, I, I don't know that WTA will allow for another year exactly like this to happen again. So I think that something might change, whether the WTA event moves. Maybe the premier sanction goes to Auckland. I know Auckland wants it badly. Maybe they're the winners in this whole thing if they get uh, the stronger women's event they've won. Although they don't have a venue anything near as big as, as this one. Yeah. A lot of thoughts, but it's uh, a lot of things moving at once. Do you see any merit, and, and this is probably going back to when you were in the same press conference where Sam Stosa said she was talking with the TA chief executive, Craig Tiley. Uh, Tiley spoke in our My Paper on the weekend, and, and he said this before as well. These things have been said by other officials, going back to last January when it was clear that it was happening, that the preference would be to have, well, for Sam Stosa's would be to have the mixed event, like we were saying, a far more expanded, and I think that would be fantastic for tennis. Yeah. As someone who loved playing mixed doubles yeah. myself, it was a wonderful, wonderful thing. But even a women's a WTA Cup, can you see that working? And you know, I know the ITF has gone to a model in uh, Budapest next yeah, year, yeah, the same way as Madrid, Cup, yeah. which you know, and, and I know that's going to cause some scheduling concerns for Australian players, which is traditionally a time where they go home, they are not playing. Yeah, uh, it's look. Can you see it working? Tyler said that he's committed to doing it. I know they had discussions, but does it work? I, I can't, if it was the same week as this, two different cups, they were both three cities or the same scale, it would seem like a lot at once. I mean, this is already taking up a lot of space, a lot of oxygen, a lot of TV time, and the venues too. So, I mean, where would they put a WTA cup? That would have to be in China or something like that if they were going to put that somewhere else. Yeah, I don't, I mean, I, I, my dream was just that it was one mixed cup, is that this was, this was big hot cup or big ATP slash WTA and cup. you still put points to this mixed event? Yeah, if, yeah. If, I think WTA, if they agree to it, sure, would do it. Although, I mean, there's also the issues that people have brought up, that John Millman brought up, yeah. that Riley Opelka brought up, that it's unfair and not can keep with the rules of tennis. The 19th yeah. event, so people who don't know this, uh, in your ATP ranking, 18 tournaments generally count, but if you play uh, ATP cup, it counts as a bonus 19th tournament that counts no matter what. So, and players who did not make it onto their team. And also the cuts are not similar across the team. So John Millman uh, and Riley Opelka are the two people who complained about it most. They are from countries with more depth than Australia. Joe, Joe actually complained yeah. about it And too. Rublev also, I think, yeah. did as well. Um, but at the same time, with Songa, Millman, and Opelka, less so Rublev, but those are three Grand Slam nations. Those three guys have gotten a lot of wild cards and support in the past that have been not available to other countries. It's the counter-argument against those particular sort of poor little rich boys in tennis that they don't get to play one event. Uh, not that anyone's really flagging off John Millman or anything particularly, because no one has problems with him. 
Um, but they, that also makes it so there's ranking points available, and the rules are supposed to be to keep the ranking points fair, that you're not supposed to deviate from in your team from playing the number one and number two. Australia, notably, very much breaking this rule. Australia, <laughs> with pretty flagrantly, I mean, like, they could be called out on it more because they, uh, they've not played the same lineup ever. Uh, they played the, their sort of one and two in the first match, and, uh, and then they sat Kyrgios when he was going to have to play Felix, who he's 0-1 against, I think, and then they put Milman in there. And then uh, and they put Kimbis, who had a better record than Tsitsipas, yeah, so... And they, and they kind of gave Hewitt wasn't supposed to have any power, and yet Hewitt... What, what, would, uh, what, what do you think might happen if, uh, for example, Australia gets through Great Britain in the quarterfinal and I think is scheduled to play Spain, if that's the case, and you have... You have to make you a have, you, 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 you have a number one versus... Number one Alex, who's been obviously clearly clearly surging. Like He's clearly yeah. taken big strides in the last four months. But he's can't months, beat Nadal. But he hasn't beaten Nadal. He's been well beaten in both, uh, both outings. Yeah. Kyrgios at two, who uh, who has got a very good record, and it'd be yeah. great to see that super salty clash. Uh, I think that, I think that you have to, and, in, I, <laughs> and, so and can, I don't think you, that, could, could I don't could think you that, see the number one rested free country. Absolutely, oh, I think I think you could have a. I mean, honestly, especially because they were pretty open about it yesterday, or they were they didn't, and maybe because it was kind of a bit of a rush press conference, or a couple more questions I would have had for that team, but. Uh, but yeah, they were pretty... I think Nick having his back issues when he was going to have to play against Felix, uh, I mean, you know, it would be easy to come up with some injury excuse for Diminar to sit him in that match. One, yeah. and that, the national pastime uh, for Australia is considered cricket. Now, I'm a tennis man, so yeah, I always yeah. fought against that. But the national pastime is considered cricket. And you have... And it's similar to baseball in terms of you have your fast bowlers. And there's, in recent years, there's been a what we call a rotation policy where through test matches where they play for five days, they have to back up in a couple of days. It's very hard on the body. They break down. Effectively, Leighton is just uh, taking his Australian heritage and just using the rotation policy between his, between his three fast bowlers or his three big Look, guns. I mean, I think that's, that's good captaining. I think that's, it's been a, they went 9-0 and in their, in their group matches, so it's hard to complain. But I think there are explicit rules against doing exactly <laughs> what they're doing, that they're bending pretty quickly. And, and that's one of the things Nick said in the in the press conference that maybe was sort of hinting at this. He said, I wish there was just a more open way that we could, we could have the captain make choices based on matchups, which is what, you know, happens in Davis Cup, certainly. And, you know, I think we were talking about this before the tournament. You were saying all the captain really gets to do is spit on, be a cheerleader on the yeah. bench. You know, it doesn't get to actually be tactical. We were used to captains doing. I mean, doing. they can be tactical uh, on the bench, but they can't make changes right. except Australia. Uh, yeah. They can't Which make usually the main so power of a captain yeah. in a cup event. So they can, all, they can also soak up abuse clearly, as we've seen. Oh my gosh! So, so far in this week, <laughs> this is a wild scene. <laughs> Stefano Tsitsipas uh, really living a pretty good bruise. I don't know if you saw the pic- the picture after the close up. Nick Kyrgios was a nice guy yesterday. Nick Nick and Steph are really get they get along well though. I mean, because Steph, I mean, it was a little. I was a little bit put off by how casual Steph was afterwards about oh it's no big deal it happens like yeah, how, happens. how often are you you know <laughs> assaulting your father this ha- this is a commonplace anyway not that it was you know it was clearly an accident but it was also like weird scary moment that uh yes yeah do you Odd. think he should have got a warning for that he did get a warning I mean, yeah, he did get a, I mean, he did get a go on I think the, I think a case could be made. He should have been defaulted. I think so too. Yeah, absolutely. And he also hit a ball. I didn't see that until later, but he hit a ball, and I think it hit the other guy in their box on the on the shin. Yeah, you can't be doing that. No. I think it's a, it's a weird gray area. Are you allowed to assault your own team? But no, I don't think that. I think I think he probably could have gotten defaulted too. But it's tough in tennis. Also, I don't know exactly what Leoni saw at any point. I don't know oh, if he saw, and, that, and that's just underfishing. But if that's the kind of thing where a supervisor could come out and be like, hey, you know what, stop this match, which was otherwise a, a great match, really high quality. Um, between the two of them, uh, and yeah, but that was a that was a bizarre, strange moment, and also in a dead rubber, which I mean, which then 
and I get, these are competitive guys, and so yeah, you go ahead. And the prize money and the points, like it's yeah, actually, yeah. if you, you look at Nick, he, he picks up. I think he goes to 110 points from the week, which is a, which is actually a little buff. He's up to 26. You see, and he's I think he's picked up like that was a significant earnings for him. Like in, yeah. in a, I think it's he's now over 200,000 yeah. US for the for two matches for wow. the week. If you're picking, yeah. and you know you look at Dimonor. He's two hundred and fifty thousand US, so four hundred four hundred thousand Australian for his two wins. It's if you're if you're winning these matches against the best players, you are making a significant amount of money. And even for someone like John Millman, who had tossed and turned as to whether he'd go to Doha, given there was a chance he wouldn't play, he's now picked up seventy ranking points for the week and about seventy thousand dollars. Now, for someone who scraped for so long to be able to make even break even, it's a very good week. seventy thousand dollars US, one hundred thousand. That's paying for his travel for the year. So. Anything now is is a profit for it. Yeah. It's uh, it's it's lucrative for no, the money. Guys. The money is there for sure, and that's another thing. The, the women, I think, are saying we would like to have this similar investment on our side, especially when it comes to TA, which is you know theoretically supposed to treat the men and women the same. That they keep building these new big men's team events, and the women are feeling probably justifiably a bit left out of that or hard done by that, uh, especially with the number one player in the world right now being in, being an Aussie. I guess to look ahead a bit to the group stages, and we don't know what's going to happen and whoever wins, but I guess. The, to the sort of what does it all mean in talking about the name recognition you were saying before of Davis Cup is it important who wins ATP Cup do we care is there prestige attached to it is it going to be a is this a world championships also uh, or, or what does it mean if you know if France you know are they can they still get in as a number two or are they out yes yeah. if they win 3-0 against South Africa they have a chance yeah okay so if France wins ATP Cup or Australia I mean, what does it mean I mean does it, is it important is it not important I, I talked a bit with the French guys about it. Of course, they want to win. They they play 100%, but they also know it's not the most important event of the year. Like it's not the same as Davis Cup. Still, for for the at least for the French guys, I don't know for everybody, but for the French guys, it's not the same yet. And especially being the first event of the year, it's re- it really is a preparation for the Australian Open. That's what Gad Monfils told me. He said, "I want to be at my top at the Australian Open, not right now." So when you're n- not aiming to be at the top for a competition, that means this competition is not really important. Yeah. And it's interesting, just they get three matches for prep, which is good, but it's also a ver- kind of overly emotional first week, maybe. It could be a bit draining for guys, especially if you make a deep run at ATP Cup. It might take, and even or on the opposite side, like what did this week do to Sasha Zverev? Going out and <laughs> playing three matches and getting worse and worse by each one and playing three other next-gen guys and just getting... It just be embarrassed by the end, honestly. I don't know. What, how will this? Ma- how I think we won't know until Melbourne how this was as a prep event. It's it's not the second serve, not the double faults for Sasha. It's yeah. the fact that he's he's actually not have, has no conviction on his second serve. Yeah, yeah. So he, so so that he's rolling those in the middle of the box and under the defensive straight away. But look for for Australia, it will be important because it's this is the national event. It's but it's no Davis Cup. We know having spoken at length with uh, with Leighton Hewitt and other players how devastated they were. And how, and how upset the whole country, the whole every tennis fan was in this country when it was when it was changed and revamped. Uh, but it's in, it's in, I think it's important that Australia's made it through to at least the quarters of the semis. One thing I will point to as well is that if you have a look at the the, the sponsorship sponsors on board backing the event and the sale of TV rights around the world for this event, a lot of it's done out of t- tennis Australia's producing all of the all of it. So they are making a significant amount of money on the sponsorships, and this so they've now got a month-long thing along with the Labor Cup. There, there is significant finances at play, and I think if this is a my understanding, it's a thirty-year deal. Now, whether that's 
30-year uh, deal? Having to, oh. Well, I, I said, Tom Lana said the other day that it was 30 years. Now, whether that's 30 years of it has to be here or, how, or what the partnership is, but that was what was said to me the other day. Mm. Um, that's a lot of, that's, you know, it, it's a potential to build a really, really significant event. Yeah, no, that, that, that's obviously, that's I'm, sure, lot, I'm sure there are clauses. a lot of confidence. And I will say also, Tennis Australia had a longer contract with Hotman Cup, but they broke to get out of this. I mean, they, bro- they broke that one. So contract 20, 23. Yeah, so they got a three years earlier, two years, three years yep. early out of Hotman Cup. So, uh, yeah, I guess, do you, do, you, do you think this current, the last sort of thing, do you think this current version of this event, as if it's in the current eight, uh, tennis calendar, uh, can last or can work? Does it, or does it need some sort of, do there need to be adjustments? Whether it's getting rid of some of the dead weight. We haven't talked about some of the really, you know, really low wattage matches that have happened in other venues we've been lucky in Brisbane we've gotten the only player who's sort of not an ATP level player who's been playing matches here is Pervil Arrakis who's a 400 something player but uh, but but in other but in other in pretty good he's, he's well, he almost won yeah he's, he's clearly <laughs> rising up he's somebody promising but there's from other countries whether it's Metrovelli from Georgia uh, some of the Uruguayan guys yeah. we have Kosmanov from from Moldova um, Kuzmanov from Bulgaria. There've been a bunch of just a bunch of matches that have been between guys way outside the top hundred that have been put on these big, you know, cathedrals of tennis around Australia. It, it, it just could that, have been yeah. like uh, future qualities. Yeah, some matches <laughs> would have been future qualifying matches that are now ATP Cup main stage matches. So it's a it's a strange. I don't know. Do, do you do you think this can do you think this can continue to work, or do you think there needs to be whatever direction it is where you think it should be a mixed event, where you think it should be merged with Davis Cup somehow more officially cooperate? Does there does there need to be a change, or is this workable in its current state. No, I think there needs to, there needs to be a change. And Djokovic said it, and m- most of the players said it, ITF and ATP have, has, have to find a way to make one event. I think that's the only solution. Yeah. Courtney? Uh, I think, look, I think it can work. I think ideally there would be one event, no doubt about that, and I'd be devastated if the Davis Cup was no longer in existence. Uh, I think that's yeah, but uh, to be honest, it doesn't exist anymore no, right uh, now. Uh, uh, exactly <laughs> it right. the name. It, do, it, do, it doesn't exist. It's uh, as as it is. It just, and I think that's uh, that's a devastating thing. But no, I, look, if if they committed to it, I think it, I think it can work here because you've got you've got the well, touch wood on the climate. Obviously, is it <laughs> what happens in years to come? Oh, yeah. But you have got the facilities and the cities to make it work, and, and I still think it's a fairly it, it's. A pretty good preparation for the Australian Open, it, yeah. particularly if Nadal gets a couple of competitive matches in Sydney. Yeah, but can you expect, for example, guys like Nadal, Djokovic doing Davis Cup in November, last week of November, and ATP Cup first week of January every year? Uh, oh no, and, and as I said, but, but, but if the if, if the ITF has got their eye on that September window. That's, that's Labor Cup. That's, well. that's Labor Cup. I know, which is but even a bigger problem for ATP. Well, yeah. For ITF, sorry. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a week before the uh, week before the um, Labor Cup. I think that, that there's a week of different, a few days difference. But anyway, I, I understand yeah. there's there's a problem there. I wish Davis Cup would go actually where the Fed Cup is. I think Fed Cup's in a perfect part of the calendar in April. Uh, it's when the tour is shifting from North America to Europe, so you could have it in either North America or the Americas or Europe, you could have it on either hardcourt or clay in that time of year. I don't know, I think that could possibly could work. But we'll see, there's a lot of moving pieces and a lot of ambitious, uh, not cooperating entities in tennis, and yeah, we'll see. And we'll see what, yeah, WTA is the main question here, what they're gonna do in this tournament. This was a, 
and we'll see how they do if, if what it feels like in these last four days here. Are you staying around for the, are you going to Sydney? Yeah, are you no, staying I'm staying here. I'm staying yeah, around. so we'll see what it's like. If it feels like, you know, the big show already left town and this is an afterthought when the women take over the main stadium or if it actually is still the good, because it has also hasn't been a women's only event for a while. So will the fans still turn up to a WTA only event the way they used to, to a mixed event is still yet to be determined here. And, and look, it was, you know, moved from the Gold Coast where it struggled for, for a while as a women's only event to Brisbane, bigger population, more likely. You know, look, the beaches on the Gold Coast are always going to drag people away at this time of the year. Uh, it was interesting when we were discussing this uh, with Tennis Australia about six weeks ago saying, well, this will be an issue because you, in a climate where of Wimbledon if you're not playing even, the even amount of numbers uh, matches on centre court as you should be or court one as you should be well then understandably there's an outcry yeah. they dodged a bullet with Ash Barty being number one had she been number three in the reigning French Open champion she would have had to play on the outer courts on an outside court yeah that would have been terrible problematic uh, so they haven't dodged the bullet fully at, at all and it's really problematic but it would have been I think made more headlines here had uh, had your home down hero been no. on an outside court, even if she's not willing to, and you know she did not she, she did not engage with this, not her thing. She's much not at all a rabble rouser. That's not her style. Uh, she did it. She also I think probably was cognizant of not wanting to draw. I feel like she was complaining in the midst of the fire. Just to get to those briefly from a tennis perspective, because I know Kantan, you wrote about this as well, about the f- effect the fires could have in in Melbourne. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I wrote about this also. I mean, it's a few. It's about a week out from or less than yeah, about a week out from qualifying now. Yeah, um, six days, yeah. yeah, six days now from when we record this to when qualifying begins, um, and it seems like, from what I can tell, uh, that the condition of the air in Melbourne is just based on how the wind is blowing any given day. If if it's coming from the fires, then the the air can get pretty bad in a hurry. I mean, what I mean, what should people expect from the from just on the obviously there's a lot of loss of life and property and devastation otherwise there are much more important things about the fire but from in this tennis lane like how much do you think this might affect uh the rest of the month of tennis in, in sydney too also we should say sydney's also had uh smoke issues uh, that could affect the later rounds of the atp cup potentially yeah today actually is uh, the air quality in sydney is hazardous oh. so but yeah for the australian open i don't know anyway i don't think there's going to be any report any cancellation of the tournament i think it's almost impossible uh, but I'm not sure what they can do. I mean, they can put a rule. As I know Kevin Anderson talked about it, like the equivalent, equivalent of the, the hot the heat rule, yeah, the, the yeah, wet the bulb, yeah. but smoky bulb, something. I don't, I don't know how much, for example, the fact that they have uh, roofs, how much it can help with the with the with the smoke. I don't know if they were it saying helps they were they tweeted yesterday night that they say they they could play. That the air conditioning would help the air. We'll yeah, see if okay. that actually works when time comes and how bad the air Which is. Which is not really day. good in terms of ecology. No, definitely not. But <laughs> and look, the, the, look. The concern is that this is uh, what what is burning now. We're only in the very early stages of the season. So while it's supposed to rain in Melbourne, I think on Friday night, which will probably wash away. I think the expectation is it'll wash away a bit of the smoke initially. That's this Friday night. This is not the necessarily the time of the year where it's really burning so the, the burns could still come and we, if we get those hot hot northerly days which uh, we've already had more than what we normally get at the Aussie Open that's an issue the other the other factor that's been raised the three indoor courts but there was also a suggestion that they would play some of the other matches in the indoor at the National yeah. Tennis Centre having that uh, could work in qualifying maybe in qualifying having played uh, in there quite a bit yeah. there's a few factors A the far court you actually can't see looking back to one end because it's uh, <laughs> you're looking into sunshine so it's very hard to see B, there's not a significant amount of space on the uh, behind the baseline, so 
you're not going to have a well you're never going to have a Nadal but but <laughs> if you're if you're standing back you're there's not heaps and heaps of space behind the baselines to and there's no spectator capabilities in there and, so yeah. it's uh, I, I would struggle to see them putting those courts into use and could they do for example best of three sets like they did uh, 30 years ago uh, to win some time We'll see. No Not game. on my watch. <laughs> <laughs> I know. We, funny people have good opinions on both sides of that argument, we'll say. Uh, yeah, we'll see. I mean, it's, it's going to be tough. And I just could be a thing where you wake up in the morning and say, wow, it's, I can't see the skyline. Let's not play tennis today. And Yeah, because, right, because I don't think if it's a bad, poor health day, yeah, I don't think men's or best of three or best of five, I don't think you can yeah, be out there, even, even for spectator health, which is a concern, obviously, and many of the spectators are not in peak athletic shape and just sitting out there for two hours in bad bad air could be definitely damaging to people's health so uh yeah let's hope, let's hope for fair winds and lots of rain and everything to get this to go away but it's definitely something to keep and keep an eye on because it's uh really been the story of the of the summer here obviously from a non-tennis perspective definitely but also just from how it's affecting things how it happened to Canberra and stuff in this episode I'll have audio before we talked from Liam Brody who's talking about his experience being there on the ground and just seeing this sort of post-apocalyptic type city with the smoke and the empty streets and everything it's just very very bizarre and uh, unfortunate and hopefully everything gets gets better so uh, much bigger deal than the ATP Cup that but uh, thank you for coming on and talking about ATP Cup Courtney and uh, Quentin thank you and uh, we'll see you in Melbourne absolute pleasure thanks for having me on thank you thank you Thank you all for listening to No Challenges Remaining, episode 240. If you want to follow along with us when you're not listening, the best way to do that is on Twitter at NCR underscore tennis. Please subscribe to us on whatever your podcasting catcher of choice is, whether it's Overcast, Spotify. We're on Spotify now. That's great. Uh, iTunes, etc. Wherever you listen to podcasts, good odds are good that we are there for you. Any questions or comments, you can send them to us at nochallengesremaining at gmail. Com. We have a bunch more stuff planned for you for the month of January and the rest of 2020. Hopefully you enjoy it. We have some exciting things ahead. That is all for Brisbane from Brisbane for now. Bye-bye, y'all. Good night.